So after all the trade demands, the Rucker Park-like scrimmage, the yelling, the ranting, the back and forth, Jimmy Butler will play in the Timberwolves season opener versus the Spurs. Just to remind everybody, Jimmy Buckets has been away from the team much of the preseason as his request to be traded plays out. Now, obviously, in his mind, he wasn't getting traded fast enough or the process wasn't moving along fast enough. Butler returned to practice, went on a rant, verbally attacked teammates and management and the team president, and then bounced. He then did an interview, and in the interview, he said it was more about passion. It was more about him being honest. And what it really is more about is Jimmy Butler wants that money. He wants that dough. He looks and sees that they paid Carl Anthony Towns the maximum. They gave him five years, 190. He knows that they gave Andrew Wiggins four years, 150. And he's wondering where his money is. They offered him an extension, but it was a shorter deal. And that frustrated him. That insulted him. And yes, he's right. Right now, today, Jimmy Butler is by far their best player. Not their most talented, but by far their best player. He puts in the work. He does the film study. Nobody can question Jimmy Bucket's effort. Here's the thing, though. At the same time, the way he's handling this situation, this process, you can't question his ability as a leader. And this is not the first time that Jimmy Butler has had problems with younger players because he did the same thing in Chicago to kind of force his way up out of there. Now, I admire Jimmy Butler, a guy that was drafted in the 30th pick in the first round of his draft to turn himself into an all-star caliber player. I've said this before. That's to be admired. He is one of the hardest working players on both ends of the floor. But ultimately, if you look at him, if you look at his ceiling as your best player, Jimmy Butler is not going to lead you to an NBA Finals. He's not going to win a title as your best player. I think Jimmy Butler on a title winning team or even a title contending team at very best is a second option. And there's nothing wrong with that. His problem is he's looking at the Timberwolves and seeing how they invested in two young stars. And you can make the case that Andrew Wiggins, without a doubt, has been an underachiever. Not, you can't call Wiggins a bust because when you look at his career, in his first year, he gave you 16 points, four rebounds. His second year, 20 points. His third year, which was his best year in the NBA to, this, to date, he gave you over 23 points, four rebounds, shot 45% from the floor, and 35% from three. What I liked about him the last couple of seasons was he got to the foul line over six times a game. But last year, his first season with Jimmy Buckets, he played more off the ball. So his field goal attempts and where he got the ball in the different spots, I think he was more or less inefficient. Last year, he only got to the foul line four times a game. Last year, he actually shot four times less. His field goal percentage went down. He took more threes than usual. I'm not blaming this on Jimmy Butler, but when you put together talent, 
It's on the coach. It's on his staff to miss that talent and to utilize it to the best of your ability. When you bring in a guy like Jimmy Butler and you know he's ball dominant and the ball is going to be in his hands most of the time and you're a wing player like Jimmy Butler, the wing player is going to suffer the most, which was Andrew Wiggins. I just think ultimately Jimmy Butler coming to the Timberwolves, there was always a chemistry issue. And while they did win with him on the floor, I still thought they won despite their lack of chemistry. Where it showed most was in the playoffs. First round versus the Rockets. It's not a coincidence that all three guys, Butler, Wiggins, and Towns, struggled offensively. They also didn't play well defensively. I thought Towns looked extremely soft in the series, and Wiggins looked lost. And while Jimmy Butler played with his usual amount of effort, he didn't play well. It's not an accident that all three guys only averaged 15 points per game for the entire series. I know that Minnesota would like to keep Jimmy Butler, but at what price? Would you really invest $190 million on a 29-year-old two-guard slash small forward who's got the minutes and the miles on his legs that Jimmy Butler does, knowing he's not a superstar. He's a talented player. No question an all-star, but he's absolutely not a franchise player. That's something the Timberwolves and management are ultimately going to have to decide on. I think Jimmy Butler is going to be with the T-Wolves up until the trade deadline. And even then, I'm not sure what his value is to other teams who know he might just be a rental. Now, obviously, there's no shortage of opinions on the situation in Minnesota with Butler versus the franchise. Former Timberwolves great Kevin Garnett said both sides were at fault, and I actually think KD's right. Look, ultimately, the franchise has to make the best deal that benefits the franchise and their future. And while I'm sure they want to help Jimmy Butler eventually get up out of there, they can't take just the first deal that comes their way. Obviously, you're not going to get equal value for Jimmy Butler, but you can get the very best deal that ultimately helps the franchise. And if you're Jimmy Butler, you have to handle this better. You have to be more of a professional. You just got to go out there and ball out until they can move you. Maybe if you ball out, it might actually increase your value. Again, no shortage of opinion. Paul George, formerly of the Indiana Pacers, who kind of Jimmy Butlered his way to Oklahoma City. He was kind of Jimmy Butler before Jimmy Butler. The thing is, I don't want to hear from Paul George. Not that guy. Not the guy that calls himself playoff P after game one versus the Jazz. And then that same guy in game six in a closeout game for the Jazz in a game that his team needed to keep that team alive who nicknamed himself playoff P. That guy plays 45 minutes, scores five points to go along with six turnovers. That guy you don't get to say anything. You got to step up and show that you can actually raise your level of play when it matters most. I like Paul George. I think he's a talented player. He's not a superstar. I know he had that blip moment years ago 
when he was on the Pacers and he got that dunk off versus the Heat. And everybody thought from that point on he was going to ascend to another level. And obviously everybody knows he was injured and then he had to come back from the injury. And maybe what it is, is while he's still a very good player, a talented player, maybe he's not quite the guy he was before the injury. What I do know is he's not a number one option. He's a sidekick. He's a Pippen. But as a Pippen with Russell Westbrook, that's not going to win titles. And that's nothing against Russ. I just think ultimately you have to put Russ with somebody who's mentally as tough as Russ is and plays balls out the way Russ does. I would have never signed Paul George to the deal that OKC did, but I understand why they did it. It's Oklahoma City, and it's not like a lot of top-name free agents are ever going to head that way. Watch Oklahoma City this season. I do think they'll be in the playoffs. I also think they'll be a first-round exit like last year. Again, Jimmy Butler is one of the best two-way players in the game, but his value is difficult to gauge because of his age and because of the minutes on his body. Not to mention, unless you're a really, really bad franchise that just needs to be relevant on some level, like the Kings, like the Magic, I don't think any really good franchise or even a franchise that's built to win right now is going to give him that maximum extension he's looking for. Jimmy's looking for $190 million. And I just don't see that coming his way. Shout out to Richard Jefferson, retiring from the NBA after 17 years. RJ was a role player on the 2016 Cavs championship team. He reinvented himself late in his career, became more of a 3 and D guy. But I remember RJ from his Nets days. I remember RJ when he had crazy hops and he was a monster at finishing around the basket. That Richard Jefferson, along with Jay Kidd and company, was a blast to watch. So shout out to RJ on a long, productive NBA career. Good luck in what you decide to do going forward, fam. Another shout out goes to Walter Waite champion Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford knocks out Jose Benavidez Jr. in the 12th round. He broke him down over the course of 11 rounds and then took him out in round 12 by TKO. Terrence Crawford is a beast, and I can't wait to see him in the ring versus Earl Spence. That's going to be the fight of the year, no question, if they ever make that fight. Do it for the fam. Do it for the fans. Shout out to the Ravens defense. The Ravens defense recorded 11 sacks in one game versus the Titans. So, yes, I know they have a great defense, but some of that had to be the Titans' offensive line, and some of that had to be the fact that Marcus Mariota does hold the ball too long, created the perfect storm. Mariota goes to the ground 11 times. His team loses 21 to nothing. He had more sacks, or he got sacked more than he completed passes. He only completed 10 passes. Another shout-out goes up to the game that I watched tonight. It might be the best game of the year so far. It was a blast to watch. Patriots beat the Chiefs 43 to 40. I got to see Mahomes throw for 350, four touchdowns. He did have a couple of picks, but he brought his team back late. And Tom Brady, that dude, goes for 340, a touchdown, and leads his team down the field for the winning score. That's why he's that dude. The Patriots just find a way to win these types of games. 
I have no doubt that the Chiefs behind that strong offensive line, the firepower they have at the skill positions, and Patrick Mahomes, legit threat to be in the AFC title game. What I'll say is this, though. I think their defense will be the reason why they don't get a trip to the Super Bowl. This is a response to the Facebook fam. So Artist, LV, Bearboy193, AC93, Kubla Khan, Big Fudge, and Tom Brady's your dad. This goes out to you all because you asked the same question. So I thought, let me just put you all in there and I'll answer the question. Since you don't think Jimmy Butler is very good, Name the two guards that you would put in front of him. All right. So here's my response. First of all, I never said Jimmy Butler wasn't very good. I think Jimmy Butler is the epitome of very good, but he's not all time great. He's not a franchise player. He's a very good player. And I think he could excel at another level playing alongside someone who's better than him, like a LeBron or someone of that ilk. But since you wanted to know what two guards I put in front of him, here you go. Number one, James Harden. Why? One of the three hardest players to guard in all the NBA. No, he's not a great defender, but he is so impactful offensively. He is so dominant with the ball in his hands and what he does to your defense. Even when James Harden isn't shooting well, he punishes your defense with his ability to attack the basket and get to the foul line. Remember, he gets to the line 11 times a game, which means More times than not, when you play the Rockets, your team is in the penalty. That's how impactful James Harden is on just the offensive side of the ball. So he's number one. Number two, Victor Oluwadipo. His first step is one of the quickest, if not the quickest first step in basketball. Oluwadipo can blow by you, attack the rim. He's got a mid-range jump shot. He can shoot the three on the pull-up, and he's an elite on-ball defender. He's number two. Number three, Clay Thompson. And I know what you're going to say. Jimmy Butler's a better scorer than Clay Thompson. Jimmy Butler's better off the dribble than Clay Thompson. That's true. But here's the thing about chemistry. If you take Clay off of Golden State and replace him with Jimmy, yes, Jimmy's a better scorer, but Jimmy needs isolation ball. Jimmy will take the ball away from Clay or from Steph and KD. What Clay can do, how he impacts the game, is his movement off the ball. What Clay can do, catch, shoot, and it's cash money. Clay shoots over 40% from three. Jimmy Butler's never done that. So I would say, chemistry wise, you could put Clay Thompson on many teams and he's going to work. As talented as Jimmy Butler is, because so much of the offense has to run through him, I think chemistry will be an issue if you put him along certain stars. Clay can fit into any system. And he knows who he is and he stays in his lane. So I've got Clay third. At number four is your boy, Jimmy Butler, who I'm a fan of, just not as big a fan as a lot of you guys are. I don't think Jimmy Butler is worth $190 million, but it's not my money to spend. If somebody wants to give it to him, more power to Jimmy. I've got Jimmy at number four. Great two-way player or a very good two-way player. I think Jimmy Butler has the ability to score. I like his post-up game, his mid-range game. I think his defense took a step back last season, but he's still a very good, impactful two-way player. Number five, and on the rise, Mr. Donovan Mitchell. 
I think Donovan Mitchell is the closest thing to the young Dwayne Wade that we've seen in years. And I think he's an ascending player. If Donovan Mitchell needs to work on one thing in particular, he needs to be more efficient. But again, we're talking about a second year player doing what he did in the playoffs to Russ and playoff P. Following him, Drew Holiday. Again, you see the theme, two-way players. Drew, Drew Holiday, great on-the-ball defender and a versatile defender. Drew Holiday can guard the point, the two, and the three in certain situations. And while he started his career at the point, I think he finally found his lane. Drew Holiday is much better playing off the ball. And when he's in attack mode, he's a bad man. Love Drew Holiday. Following Drew Holiday, DeMar DeRozan. I think DeMar DeRozan might be the most underappreciated two-guard in all the NBA. No, he doesn't shoot the three well, but he's got a nice mid-range jump shot, and he's one of those guys, similar to James Harden, who can punish your team with his ability to attack the basket and get to the foul line. Following him, Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill is underrated in his ability to create his own shot. I thought Bradley Bill shined when John Wall was gone, and he showed you he had point guard skills. Bradley Bill seems to be the guy that if they reverse roles and he was made more the focal point, even though John Wall plays point guard, I think if, Je- if Bradley Bill was the focal point of the Wizards, I think the Wizards would be a better team. I think Bradley Bill should be that guy. Whether he wants it bad enough or not remains to be seen. At number nine, Devin Booker. The young man gets buckets. The guy can score. He's as talented an offensive player as there is in the NBA, but I can only rank him number nine because he hasn't shown the ability to make his teammates better. And ultimately, when you put up numbers on a team that's a bottom dweller, I can acknowledge your talent, but I can only give you so much credit because you're putting up numbers on a team that gets plastered nightly. I don't know if you're that good or you're just a guy that can put up numbers on a bad team. Kevin Love was 26 and 13 when he was the main guy in Minnesota. Then when he was put in his proper role as a third option, he won titles in his proper role. C.J. McCallum is number 10. I think C.J. McCallum is a talented two guard. I think if C.J. needs to work on anything, it's how he competes on defense. I think he's versatile on offense. In some ways, he's even more efficient than his bigger name, Buddy Dane, not a better player, but just more efficient. The question is, can you win with two undersized guards and not any wing help? And I think the answer is no. I think they've got to get another wing player that can put up bucket. The funny thing is, Jimmy Butler would look great in Portland. The only problem is, could Jimmy accept not being the number one option? I'm not so sure. So that's my top 10, fam. Let me know your top 10 two guards, and then we can get back on the. You know what? Let me know your top 10 two guards, and while you're at it, put out your top 10 point guards, and I'll respond to that as well. Anyway, we're going into Tuesday. The NBA starts. So no question, we're going to talk some NBA on Tuesday. Facebook fam, good looking out on all the inboxes. I know I'm still trying to catch up. But remember, y'all can do me a solid by going on the Anchor app and leaving a voice message. And I can respond to that even quicker and include it in the show. I'm going to leave y'all with a taste. It's the Cypher. 
get some hip hop.